Hello, I'm Dan Tomaszewski, and this is the Connecting IT Podcast. Welcome to the Connecting IT Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tomaszewski, and joining me today, we have a special guest, the CEO of Kaseya, Fred Vicola. Thanks for being on, Fred. Dan, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Yeah, we're excited to have you on talking today around the future of MSPs. Uh, you know, we've heard you speak at a lot of different events le- recently and uh, got some cool future uh, things that you're, you're predicting for the MSP space and uh, want to talk to you more about that today. Great topic. Love to talk about it as always because it's an exciting topic and it's one of the few rising trends that we'll see for the next decade in, across all business. So let's get into it. You know, what do you see as the biggest challenges for MSPs over the next five years? And counter that is, what do you think some of the biggest areas of opportunity are? So I think anytime we think about MSPs or IT and security service providers, you know, whatever terminology folks are using these days, it's important to understand the end customer. What's driving this? Why is this even a topic? Dan, why do you have this podcast? Why, why do we professionally exist? And there's a macro trend happening. And I think everyone's aware of it because it affects all of us. But we may not see it because, look, we're IT people. What we do, we're not heroes. You know, when IT people and security people, we go to a cocktail party, we're not the one hanging out with all the super attractive people. We're the, the geeks in the corner, right? We've always been and we always will be. However, we're the geeks in the corner that allow everything to exist. So one of the trends that's happening worldwide is small to mid-sized businesses. And this is companies of, pick a number, one employee to maybe 2,000. They're making up a larger and larger percentage of the global economy. Upwards of 80%. That's a real number of economic growth worldwide is coming from small to mid-sized businesses. That's astounding. I read somewhere that in uh, North America and Australia, New Zealand, almost nine out of 10 new jobs are created from small to mid-sized businesses. So that's, that's a trend that's happening. And another trend is what's enabling that to happen. Compare this with maybe our parents or our grandparents' generations where big companies kind of ruled everything. Well, there's an equalizer that allows the small guy to compete with the big guy, and that's technology across any sector. And in order for these small businesses to continue thriving, they're leveraging technology as their secret weapon to do that. Whether it's factory systems, medical systems, IT, you name it. And because of that, Because of the power that technology has to allow David to compete with Goliath, to use a cheesy little analogy, what we're seeing is another fact, and that is small to mid-sized businesses, the increase in spend on technology is growing at about six times the rate of GDP growth. That is astounding. And this may sound rehearsed, Dan. Uh, this may sound like I'm reading off of a script, but it, it, it's not. I'm not. And this is the number one 
commercial transformation of our time. We saw it 20 years ago in the enterprise. We saw companies like Caterpillar. Caterpillar implemented an HRMS, an HR management system, sometime in the 1990 to 1994 range. And what it allowed them to do was to eliminate about a thousand HR jobs. Their workforce didn't shrink. They were able to repurpose 1,000 people of a 150,000 person company. That's transformative for them. We're seeing the same. So, so what we saw in the 90s was technology changed enterprise companies, ERP, CRM, you know, the internet, right? Yeah. E-commerce, everything changed. We're seeing the same thing happening now for small to mid-sized businesses. The technologies are different, but they're able to get the same type of value on a dollar of technology investment that Citibank or Caterpillar did in the 90s. And it's literally transformative. Give you an example, Danny. So think about a dental practice, right? We're in the US, so we go to the dentist. If this was being done in the UK, we might not be able to use this analogy. But let's talk about a dental analogy. If you think about eight years ago, the typical dental practice, North American dental practice, well, that dental practice might have had a PC, maybe. Probably in the back, probably used for the children of the dentist to come and play a video game or maybe browse the internet. So technology wasn't important. If you look at today's, the modern dental practice, everything is digital. The x-ray machine is digital. If the network isn't performing, they can't do an x-ray. The hygienists with their cleaning things, they're all digitally connected. They're all guided by x-ray and technology. You have your phone, you get an appointment reminder text to you. You go, I mean, everything's automated. So 10 years ago, eight years ago, the dental practice, they didn't even think of their IT provider as anything but someone they called when their kid was having problems playing Dungeons and Dragons online. Today, it's the largest service provider cost they have is to their IT and service, IT and security service provider. So that change, that's what's happened. And we are living that today. Every single business, every business has seen that. And COVID, by the way, has accelerated it. What COVID did in the last 15 months, all of those trends accelerated because technology now becomes required. If you're a gym, a local gym, right down the street, you know, people would sign up, they'd, they'd ride a bike, they'd jog, they'd lift weights, they'd play squash, they'd do whatever they do. Well, the gym was closed for, depending where you are in the country, three months to, to 10 months, no revenue. They had to adjust. They had to start offering online classes. Right? right? At home workouts in group sessions, all kinds of creative stuff. Restaurants had to do mass takeout and delivery. What allowed that to happen? New systems. Who implements those? MSPs. And those changes are here to stay. The gym opened back up, but they're augmenting their regular business with in-home classes. And now the gym is making more money than it did before the pandemic because they were forced to embrace tech. We've seen that several times through our history, post-World War II, um, post-Cold War. We're seeing it again now. So the challenge is, I think, that MS, so, so that, that's an opportunity. Right. All these small to mid-sized businesses get their tech primarily from MSPs. 
So when you think about the opportunity, there's another opportunity that's pre presenting itself. There's the opportunity that technology, the, the gains that small to mid-sized businesses can get are so big. And the technology, it's so specialized that we're seeing what used to be small IT shops, right, Dan? Like the Bank of Central Michigan, I think that's where you are in Michigan, right? right. The Bank of Central Michigan or Northern Northwestern Michigan, wherever the hell you are, um, it has three branches that has two IT people and they do everything. That doesn't work anymore. COVID proved that as well. When the Bank of Dan's Michigan town tried to have their 80 employees be remote, they couldn't do it. They struggled. Yeah. They effed it up. Why? Because it's not easy. And for the first time, the Bank of Central Michigan realizes, oh my God, IT and technology is strategic for us. It's something that it's not our core business, but it's strategic. And what we're seeing more and more, Dan, is we're seeing these two to one to two to six to 10 to 12 person IT shops. They're going away. They are actively looking for an outsourcer to either augment or completely outsource what they're doing. And the MSPs that we've been servicing for the last decade and a half now have another opportunity. And it's an opportunity and a challenge. And that opportunity is these large small businesses or these small medium businesses, right? The IT shops of five, six, seven people, they're not able to deliver what their business needs anymore. COVID proved it. And they're looking to outsource. And IBM and Tata, they can't do a $30,000 a month deal. But for the MSPs that are typically, that, that we talk about every day, Dan, the MSPs that are on your podcast, they'd love a $30,000 a month deal, right? Right. And, right. So moving upstream a little bit, not doing just the 14 or 18 or 28 person insurance company or dental practice, but doing the 400 person manufacturing company that used to have four IT people, but now they can't keep up. It's a challenge and an opportunity. So, you know, when we, we look at what's, you know, what's happening in the next five years, we're going to see uh, almost doubling of the addressable market for MSPs to move upstream into that small end of the middle market and complement and then replace internal IT there. It's a huge market. MSPs have to learn how to sell differently. They have to become professional go-to-market organizations. Uh, some do it. Companies like Thrive Networks, awesome at it. Others, not so much. But I think that's, that's the challenge that MSPs are going to have to figure out is how do they go to market to address the entire market that they're living in? Uh, the next couple of years. And it'll be, it'll be a fun challenge because the market is, it's, it's only growing. Oh, those are some great points. And I think, you know, we're seeing it. I mean, we saw COVID really accelerate some MSPs and their growth. And I think the areas of opportunity that you just mentioned are, are some great things for the MSPs to, to grow off of. Um, but going into that even a little bit further, you know, what services will MSPs need to provide to stay competitive in the future? 
Um, and do you feel that most of the MSPs already have these technologies in their stack or is it going to require an investment from them? Dan, I'm the CEO of a software company. Of course, <laughs> we're software. Are you kidding me? Right. You work for a software company. It's a loaded question. I'm kidding. Um, you're doing a great job of being, you know, legitimately uh, non-biased, which I, which I appreciate. I think, look, here's, here's our belief. Or if I say the word my belief, my being Kaseya, right? So it's, it's our belief. I think it goes without saying security and compliance are no longer things of the future. They're things of the present. Now, security is so big. It means so many different things. It's like saying financial services. Goldman Sachs and MetLife are both financial service companies. I don't think anybody would mistake Goldman Sachs for MetLife or vice versa, right? Right. So, you know, security, there's all kinds of it. But I think that the more companies depend on the benefits of technology, the more susceptible they are to the damages that bad security can cause. Let me take a step back. They're more susceptible to the damages that bad actors can cause. So they need more security to secure their investment in IT. Now, that's a cheesy expression, but it's the best way. And someone much smarter than me explained it to me that way, and I'm just stealing their idea. Thank you, Yoki Sloan. Um, so security goes without saying. Compliance as well. We're, we're living in a world a Western world where there's more and more regulation. I'm not saying it's good or bad. And I will say, I think it's bad, but you know, we're not here to talk politics. We're here to talk about business. And I think whether we like it or not, governments around the world and large non-government institutions are exerting more and more control. And they're doing it in the form of compliant, you know, regulations that need to be complied with, whether it's HIPAA in the U.S. or whether it's, you know, Amazon saying we won't have any suppliers that don't demonstrate, you know, supply chain effectiveness in their software or NIST compliance. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Now, if you're a manufacturer of anything and Amazon shuts you out, you're kind of in trouble, right? So you're going to comply with Amazon's wishes. And the only way to do this is to prove that you're compliant. Well, I don't know about you, Dan, I'm sure as hell I'm not an expert in compliance. No one is. So small to mid-sized businesses outsource that. Who gets that work? The IT provider. I don't know why the world's done that. You know, if you think about when compliance really became a big thing in the 90s, um, when the Enron thing happened and, and uh, Sarbanes-Oxley came and, you know, it in the big Fortune 100 companies, compliance became the domain of IT, not legal or finance. That's the way it went, probably because the way to demonstrate compliance is to provide a lot of data. Right. And data is IT. So same thing in the SMB space. And you know, we have, we Kaseya have a pretty big compliance, well, big is relative. We have a compliance business that's about 20 million recurring a year. 18 months ago, it did about 100,000. And I'm not saying that to say how big or small we are. It's nothing to do with that. If we've sold roughly $20 million of recurring revenue of compliance, that means that our MSPs are probably billing about $200 million a year 
of compliance managed services. Um, compliance and security are close cousins. You know, they're usually very related, Dan. You, you, you've yeah. taught me more about this than I know. So it's kind of funny you're asking me the question. I'm just repeating what you taught me. But um, all kidding aside, it's those are the businesses that we think are going to explode. And if you're an MSP, what a great way to differentiate yourself because not everyone's doing it yet. You know, to put it in perspective, we might do 150 million a year in backup and disaster recovery. If we do 150 of that and we do 20 or so of compliance, that means that compliance is only penetrated in one out of every seven MSPs. We're the only compliance game in town. No one else does it. So in backup, there's, you know, competitors like Datto and, and a little bit of Veeam and some other folks. So I think one out of every 25 to 50 MSPs has an active compliance business. Great opportunity. Those who don't have it, they're going to struggle. That was, um, it's a great point. And one of the things, you know, talking about compliance, you know, I'm probably on, you know, two phone calls a day right now with MSPs and their clients that are saying, look, we got vendors telling us if we're not NIST compliant or CMMC compliant, we're losing business and we need to start. So your, you know, your point of they're leaning towards the managed service provider is something we're hearing on a daily basis. And I think, you know, I agree with you hundred percent. That's one of the biggest opportunities right now, you know, for MSPs to really expand their, their overall practice. Imagine you're an MSP. Dan, what are MSPs not good at? This is by the way, everyone on the podcast, this was not a rehearsed question, right? No bullshit. Dan, what are MSPs not good at? Sales. Sales, right? They're not. Marketing, they're decent. Marketing's easy. Marketing is for people who failed in sales. I'm kidding to my marketing team. But they're not good at sales. Why? Because most MSPs, they're IT people. They didn't grow up in sales. They grew up in IT. They're great at technology. They suck at sales. Just like most salespeople can't go and put a firewall. I wouldn't want them setting my firewall settings because the, you know, the North Koreans would be in my stuff right away. So it sales the discipline. It's a science. So what a great way to sell something. You know, MSPs struggle with sales because to knock on the door of a customer and say, hi, I'm Fred's IT provider. Can we please do your IT? Everyone already has someone. And unless they're pissed off at their current vendor, it's not always easy. But if you knock on the door and you say, hey, I'm not trying to rip out your provider, but let me ask you, what are... Who's filling, who's doing your compliance work for you? Uh, 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 well, I'll tell you what, I'm not looking to replace your relationship with your IT guy. That's great. For 500 bucks a month, we'll do your compliance for you. And you know what that does? That gives you an in into that customer. That's how MSP sales are going to happen. That's how a lot of them are doing it. And Dan, you've talked to them because you, you talk to a lot of these guys and people make a lot of money doing it. So I think you're right. I think it's a huge opportunity. And, you know, I think more and more are going to be doing it. Yeah, you know, one of the other aspects of this, you know, we're talking about opportunities and we're talking about sales and technology stack and things like that. But, you know, what, you know, M&A, it's a big topic. You speak on it a lot. Um, you know, what has the pandemic done to the M&A space? And like, what do you see the outlook for M&A with the MSPs? Yeah, a couple, a couple of questions there, Dan. They're all good ones. So first off, I always like to talk about the why. M&A is everywhere, right? People are buying and selling and starting new MSPs every day. 
we've tracked over 3,200 MSP transactions in the last 18 months, or 24 months, I'm sorry. And we've also believed that there's been about 6,000 new MSP started. So it's not consolidation we're seeing. It's mergers and acquisitions, which is, which is a unique thing. I've never seen an industry like that. So here's what we're seeing, and here's the why. The reason we're seeing a lot of M&A activity, twofold. One, the fastest, let me take a step back, selling in the IT and security services business, aka the MSP business, is not easy. It's not like people are Googling every day, I want an MSP. It's very different. So to acquire customers organically, and organically meaning without M&A, it's not easy. Some people do it. Like I said, Robbie Stevenson at Thrive, he's got an engine. They do a great job at it. Um, Tim Conkle from the 20 teaches people how to do it. Robin Robbins does a really good job of teaching people how to do it. But, you know, most are not very good at it. Even the best compared to a software company, they're average at it. It's because the dynamic of how people buy IT services. So, if you want to grow your IT service business at scale, like you don't want, you, you want to grow more than you want to grow it, grow it. Um, you buy, you buy customers, so that means you buy other MSPs, and you can centralize your service desk, you can standardize your offerings, standardize your 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 software kit, hopefully on IT complete, but you know whatever they standardize it on. And what you what you find is you buy a lot of customers, and you can reduce your expense ratio, five, six, 7%. That's how you grow at scale in a business service business. That's the why you see so much of it. Now, the second question is, well, why now? Why the last several years? Why didn't we see this 10 years ago? And it's, I love this. This is so cool to, to actually talk about this and think about it. If you so the MSP community and guys like Gerald Blackie, the founder of Kaseya, um, Arnie Bellini, the founder of ConnectWise, as much as he and I used to always battle about hating each other, guy's a super capable, smart dude. Uh, Michael George, uh, the guy from Continuum, founder of Continuum, he's no longer in the industry. Uh, and a whole slew of early people really fought the good fight to get away from people saying, I'll call my IT person when there's a problem to, I will sign a contract uh, for monthly recurring revenue so someone can take care of my IT. That fundamentally changed this industry because now you have a recurring predictable revenue stream. Now that you have recurring predictable revenue, I wanna get it as big as I can. Because, it, because it's predictable. So now I can hire against it. I can borrow against it. I can invest against it because it's predictable and it's recurring and there's low churn. So the business model change that the, you know, that the, you know, that, that Arnie and, and uh, Gerald Blackie, really Gerald was, was the front of it, but that these folks did allowed what we're seeing now. Now you're seeing not only you know, it, private equity, venture money in the space, but even the, the family offices like Compass Technologies, they're not funded by, by external investors. It's, it's family money, but it acts like an institutional investor because when you have recurring revenue, you want to put more behind it. 
And putting more behind it means go buy seven people and then standardize your services, centralize them, run them more efficiently, and you have a great business. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Not only the fact that the business model has been built, but the market's so damn good. So we're in the second inning, to use a North American baseball analogy. Dan, I forgot to ask you. I'm assuming this is mostly North American people. If it's global people, sorry for the too many American analogies. But <laughs> it's um, it's going to continue. COVID, it accelerated it. I don't know if COVID did much to it. It was already accelerating. How COVID accelerated it is what COVID did was accelerated the overall need for IT and security services. It put a freaking giant magnifying glass on it. And relative to just about every other sector in the economy, save maybe Amazon and Kaseya, MSPs did the best. So in the worst economy that, well, in the worst economic shock that probably has been recorded Globally, a global shock, MSPs grew an average of like one and a half percent. So if I'm an investor, I want in that business, right? You have a huge market of small businesses, companies that have no IT people, right? And, and dental dentists and lawyers and accountants. Now you have a gr- another market of small IT shops. That whole market is now becoming available to MSPs. And you have a worldwide almost mandate to spend more money on IT to secure your investments and to comply with the various institutions that are making you do it. It's an awesome market. Oh. Easy. You know, I talk to MSPs, man, it ain't easy. Nothing's easy. If it was easy, we'd all do it and then we'd make it hard. But it's arguably the best market to be in. And that's that's kind of what MA is. That's what's happening with MA. Well, this has been some really good insight. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying here about the, how it's expanding opportunities and you know the the reason behind MA. Um, as we wrap this up, you know, is there any final thoughts you want to leave our MSP listeners on uh, like a final thought from Fred? Thank you. Um, no bullshit, no political correctness or that kind of crap. Um, I want to thank particularly our customers, right? So if you're not a customer of Kaseya, you're a good person, but for the customers of Kaseya, thank you. Um, it's, it's, I've, I've been running Kaseya now for six years. I've got to know and love this industry. It's pretty badass. It's cool. Dan, you, in your job, in your day job, not your, not your moonlighting job <laughs> as, as a podcast host, you, get, you have the dream job, brother. You get to talk to MSPs all day long and help them grow. And yeah. that, that's cool. I, uh, I love this industry, man. The, um, you know, it's not that usually when I talk to MSPs, they have a few choice words for me about things we're not doing well. Uh, and that that's very helpful, but it's cool. And it's, uh, you know, I like being a part of the community because this community, I mean, we are, we are literally, or I shouldn't say we, you, the MSPs, you're freaking changing the entire economic landscape of the world. And man, it's cool to see. It's cool to be a part of it. Um, just keep doing it and hopefully do more of it with Kaseya products. And I'm more than happy to talk to you about this. Send me an email. Uh, but no, Dan, that's about it. I, I really appreciate it. And it's, it's, it's uh, I'm very, very grateful, dude. It's pretty cool. No, I agree with you. I, this is one of the best jobs out there. I mean, to wake up, I tell everyone it's like being 
working at 7,000 different, you know, MSPs on a daily basis in terms of getting on the phone. One day you're helping someone sell compliance. The next day you're selling sock. The next day it's, it's one of the best jobs to watch MSPs continue to expand and, and to grow. So we appreciate you coming on and, uh, giving us all this words of wisdom and some really good insight uh, on what's going on in the space and what we're going to see in the future. So that's it for this episode, everyone. So check us out on your favorite podcast app and look for the Connecting IT Podcast. If you're in the iTunes store, give us a five-star rating and give us a comment. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. So again, thanks for being with us, Fred. And until next time, everyone, have a great day. Cool. Thanks, everybody.